Hello, hello. Thank you for joining me today. This is the Spicy Pecan Podcast. Have you ever had a dream that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could. Gracias, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Spicy Pecan Podcast, and it is definitely going to get spicy today. So the coronavirus has magnified the inequities in this country. This is going to be a more sobering episode, educating episode. We are very lucky to be joined by Monique Singleton-Ragsdale, who has been on the pulse of social justice in New Jersey, specifically Camden, for years. She holds many titles and roles within the community. We will discuss with her uh, what she's seeing in the healthcare industry and some important information that we need to be aware of. Now listen, I am not a politician, nor am I an economist, but I am half Black and half Puerto Rican, So this coronavirus issue hits me a little differently. If you have not been made aware, it is ripping through both of those communities like crazy. And if you're watching the news in these press conferences, you may be sipping on some Kool-Aid. And I, I wouldn't feel right about doing a podcast in general if I'm not speaking to something that directly affects my community. I mean, we could do the jokes later, you know what I mean? So especially since I have a lot of family and friends that are going to be listening to this and I don't need to be kicked out of the virtual Thanksgiving. Like I really don't. (laughs) So for anyone who has yet to understand the gravity of this virus, hopefully something that we say today will enlighten you. So I want to start off by just saying anyone can get this virus. The two things causing people to die is the exposure to the virus and your ability to handle it should you get it, right? Both are hand in hand. African-Americans and Latinos hold a lot of the jobs that are considered essential. Therein lies your higher exposure. Hold that up against a lack of access to health care. There are a lot of people out there right now that do not have health insurance today who are basically forced to go to work because they're essential and absolutely we need them, but we absolutely need to be taking care of them too. There's no reason why the people who are keeping us safe have no health care. I said this the last time and it's not everybody. Some people have, you know, listen, if you're a police officer, you work for the government in some way, you're going to have fantastic health care, but there's just such a gap between those who have it and those who don't. It shouldn't be a lottery. Now, if you haven't had access to healthcare in some years, you may have no idea that you have high blood pressure. You could be walking around with an autoimmune disease. You may not have a clue that should you get in contact with this virus, that it's almost a ticking time bomb. Put into perspective with numbers, 60% of the workforce for MTA, basically the SEPTA or public transportation in New York, 60% of the workforce is Black and Latinos. Think about CNAs, parking authority, fast food restaurants, all of these places that are still open. In terms of people who can actually work from home, people who can telecommute is what they call it. In this country, it goes in this order. At the top, it's Asian, then white, then Black, then Latino at the very bottom. 
people are getting sick and dying in their homes because they already know that if they go into that hospital, they're going to have some type of astronomical bill that they're going to have no way of being able to catch up and pay on. Is that the type of thing that you would want to be dealing with in this type of crisis? Within our community, we were already dealing with issues within healthcare, doctors, not giving us the pain medications that we need because black people are considered being more tolerant to pain or being able to sustain pain much more than anyone else. Because I know people look at the news and they think they know the situation, but the reality is there's a long-standing history here, very long-standing. I can tell you growing up, it was very common for me to hear people say they did not t trust doctors and had a whole laundry list of reasons as to why. By now, everyone pretty much knows what the virus actually is and how it's transmitted. We know that we're keeping the six feet. If you want the actual details, please sit there on cdc.gov website. It goes over everything. Masks are now being required pretty much everywhere you go on public trans in your regular grocery store. So make sure that you're doing it. There are videos of how to create these masks on YouTube. I know uh, the recommendation is you wanna use a coffee filter or a paper towel in the middle between several layers um, just to make sure that you are creating some type of filter. The way that you can test your mask is by putting it on and putting a lighter in front of the mask. Don't burn yourself, obviously, but put a lighter a little in front of the mask. You know, I would say probably about a, you know, six inches and try to blow it. If it blows, obviously there's air that is freely going in and out. No good. Another way you can test it is if you're not going out right, right away, you can take a spray bottle that has, you know, like a mist, like a sneeze would. You've seen all the, the movies with the freeze frame uh, of how the sneeze actually look where it looks like a mist, like you're throwing glitter. You're going to want to use a spray bottle and spray in the, the mask itself to make sure that it's not coming out on the other end. It can be transmitted by coughing, sneezing, and talking. It can be transmitted through talking. So understand that this is like playing Russian roulette because if you get it, you may be fine, but you're not going to know until it's too late. So prevention is everything. Don't let anyone in your home. If I can curb my adult play dates, so can you. Certain countries have been lifting bans for us or for people to get back to somewhat of uh, some type of normal what we're seeing in these cases, and in some cases, South Korea being one of them, is little mini waves of people being reinfected with the virus. We don't know enough about the virus to know if that is something truly alarming. Is it that when you get it the second time, do you have, you know, somewhat of a protection so that it's not going to hit you harder? Or does it hit you harder the second time? There's just so much that we don't know. And I know people are super excited about the testing becoming more available, but it's a test. So yeah, you're getting all the testing up to snuff. What, to tell me the good news? I am worried about a prevention. I don't feel like we are safe at all until there is a vaccine. Are we not in the same case that we were in quarantine day one? Does it not just take one person to spread this? Didn't it start with one person? 
People are protesting now because they want the country to reopen. And the saddest part about this is I know that the healthcare professionals in these areas where people were protesting, they had to have been furious. Do you not understand that some of these doctors and nurses haven't seen their own family for weeks and weeks and weeks? And we cavalierly just go out like, like everything that they've been doing is for now. Some of this I blame on the stimulus check and let me tell you why. There is a very bad perception in this country that anytime the public asks for some help, it's a handout. And it's looked at as, ugh, look at you asking the government for anything. How dare you? Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Get yourself together. Do you not understand? We give away a lot of power, a lot of power to these people who were supposed to be acting on the public's best interest. When the big businesses ask for it, it's a bailout. Its policy is so shiny and it looks pretty. It looks like something that we're doing as an initiative for the country. But let the people who actually live in the country need something. And you're almost, you might as well be standing in a soup line. You might as well be looked at as if you are less than someone. I am a single person with no children. I don't get all these tax benefits. I don't see taxes, but I damn sure pay them. And I know how much I'm paying in comparison to what I am getting back on a yearly basis. And I can tell you that it ain't much. So I know that there are other people who are not getting much back either. I don't ask the government for shit because I don't qualify for shit. I either make too much or because I don't have a dependent, it doesn't put me in any qualifying programs. So how is it that I need some assistance, someone who has paid their taxes, held sometimes two and three jobs, haven't gotten much back, and now in a time where we need help? You give us a scraggly $1,200 and give the biggest portion to companies that don't need it? The same companies that are laying us off? Another point I want to bring to your attention is we're seeing strikes pop up everywhere, um, all over the place, different industries, and it's got me thinking, what is life going to look like for some people as we start to get back to quote unquote some type of normal. It's putting a, it, that is going to put a lot of pressure on businesses to create plans and have an idea of what they're going to do to ensure some level of safety. This also puts small businesses at risk for potential liability. So we may be seeing a rise of unions to supplement that relationship in ensuring that the workforce is getting their needs met in terms of healthcare, pay, and benefits. Just remember, the people who are encouraging you to go to work, see where their kids are. See where their family members are. See if they're having them go on the front lines with a mask. See if Dr. Phil is telling them to put their kids back in school. When I see Oprah out and about, chilling, that's when I know it'll be safe. When I see celebrities going back to work, starting to do basketball games and things like that, and actresses are getting back on set, that's when you know it's safe. Until then, it is not. Please do not drink the Kool-Aid and allow these people to make you believe something that is simply not true. Your life is at stake. 
and I actually care. Lordy Lord, y'all got my blood pressure up. It's really hard doing a podcast like this where you're talking about subjects that have such a deep history. Entire books have been written on certain things that I've just kind of breezed over. But I hope that you were able to get some information out of that. And I definitely got more coming for you. We're going to switch up the vibe just a little bit and go to a music break. And I'll see you on the flip side. Can't touch that. Can't touch that. Can't touch that. Can't touch that. Mucus gets me so close. Oh my God, bless you. Don't come around me without hand sanitizer. Lights all in bleach. That's good. When you wipe stuff down, super soap sponge with the good soap. Now I know life sucks, but here's a few things you can't touch. Top part of any shopping cart. Can't touch that. The handle on public restroom doors. Can't touch that. Any entree that includes bad meat. Can't touch that. And uh, oh yeah, 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 people. Can't touch that. Fresh new gloves and masks. Looking like a ninja that's kicking the ass of germs. With a bottle of bleach. Wash your hands with the birthday beat. You alone and stuck at home. Watch your TV while you're talking on the phone. So since we all watch Fresh Prince, let's pause for a second and do the I'm Viv. Everybody's stressed out. The light skin I'm Viv. Can't touch that. The keypad for your EBT code. Can't touch that. That $1,200 stimulus check. I'ma touch that. you enjoyed that that was Keith from up the block that is actually his IG handle if you want to add him really really talented has a lot of really good content on his um, Instagram page and just a reminder to everybody make sure that you are supporting your local content creators people are doing some fantastic things out there right now and some of it is better than the stuff that's on TV I got to keep it real with you so make sure that you're always showing them love it takes a lot of work to get these things done and most people are not getting paid for it. They just doing it off the love. With that being said, I want to introduce my guest here and go into the interview. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are joined by Monique Singleton Ragsdale, uh, my aunt. She has been an activist in the city of Camden for years and years and years. Someone that I admire to the moon. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Titi, how are you? I am fine, and you? I'm good, I'm good. Always nice speaking with you. So give us an idea of, um, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing now. I know you always got a bunch of things going on, but your actual jobs, what are you doing now? Um, right now, I'm a union organizer for um, health professionals and Alliance employees, and that's all health professionals. Um, I'm also um, still a telemetry technician at Virtual Our Lady of Lords, where I, um, 
I basically break down heart rhythms and ectopy and record it out. Oh, so you in the thick of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the current situation? Are you going into the office? Are you working from home? Right now, I'm working from home from my um, full-time job as a union organizer. Um, last time I've been at the hospital was actually March 2nd, so I really haven't been called in to work because I'm per diem there, so I work um, normally once a month. Okay. So I wanted to start with, there's so much information going on right now, so much information being dumped on us. And, you know, our people, we love conspiracy theories because of oh, so yes, much. <laughs> I mean, and legitimately so because of so much history and the things that have happened to us have been pretty wild and someone yeah. would think, wow, that would never happen. So I completely get it. But where, uh, where do you advise people go right now in terms of the virus in getting relevant information? Um, I would advise them to go to um, either the COVID updates that's in the state for the state of New Jersey, and it also does U.S. and the surrounding, and also for WHO, WHO, which that stands for the World Health Organization, and it gives you kind of a breakdown, the updates. It kind of um, lets you know about the rumors, but the rumors that can, may, or may not be true can change accordingly because they don't have enough information about this virus. Um, every day there's updates, certain type of masks, what masks is protection, how these viruses get in effects, and how it's like starts from, you know, six feet, now it's 12 feet, 13 feet, now it's like we can't bury the folks. So um, now, even just recently as today, as hospitals, like we're not gonna resuscitate re um, a patient now if they have COVID. So the unknown is the scary part, and it's just like to protect yourself and be safe. It's kind of um, ongoing updates, but I try to keep up with like the most recent updates because it's very interesting. This is a very contagious virus and it's spreading like rapidly. Yeah. In terms of testing, I know that they're doing testing now. There's testing sites. What do we know about the status or the ability to be able to test? Um, what I have found out is you can't just go to the test site and get, and get tested. You would need to contact your primary doctor or I guess the urgent care if you don't have a primary doctor. And they kind of listen to your sim symptoms. And when they listen to your symptoms, depending on your symptoms, they have you go there. And it's kind of cruel because it's like they want to send you there when you're severe, like shortness of breath, um, heavy chest pains, um, loss of sense of no, there's certain symptoms and these symptoms are also changing too because everybody's not experiencing the same symptoms but um it's kind of different from what we're used to we're used to if anything's wrong go to the hospital no matter what if you feel it's emergency so now you got to go through covid covid's got to go to state new jersey state health before they get you to go to a testing site and then it's like an appointment basically to go to a testing site and um from what I read from the latest, a lot of them are just closing down because so many cases are coming. So it's like, wow, they really don't know how to um, handle this, but it's ever changing. And personally, it's not the same as just going to the hospital when you feel sick. Right. How long does the test actually take? Do you know anyone who's taken the test? I've known some people to taste the, the test. I know that it's changing. I know Rutgers was working on a new test, but um, it was up to seven to nine days. So that could have changed. Um, I know that um, Rutgers was working on one that's a turnaround, but 
that test itself is pretty um, intense, how they go down your nostrils into the back of your throat with a swab. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like um, the results vary. And I think that's why, because of the results, that's why our numbers go from like week to week because of the long stretch of how, oh, there was no, no deaths today or there was no positive cases today until that wow, we got this so many and that so many. So um, it's ever-changing. I mean, I, I know they're looking for um, a quicker turnaround, but it's kind of hard. What are they saying in your field? What's, what's kind of the idea in how we're going to move forward? Are they thinking, are we hypothesizing that tests are going to be needed to be taken before starting your job again, mandated for anyone entering into schools? Like, are, is anyone kind of having these conversations around you? Um, not the school so much as the healthcare and because I work at the hospital, like they started testing for fevers, which, um, in my opinion, this is only my opinion. I don't think it's going to be an adequate, um, test because everybody doesn't have the same symptoms. So you can have a headache without a fever, you know, you can have, you know, shortness of breath without a headache or a fever. So it's all kind of interchanging and it's kind of hard to say, and somebody can be asymptomatic for up to seven days, even though they was exposed. So I think it's kind of hard, but that is one of the ways I do know that they're testing for healthcare professionals if, if they have a fever. Okay, yeah, because I know that they are talking about restarting the economy. And the first thing I think about is, well, that's a great way to get this thing rocking again. <laughs> you know, especially <laughs> if, if we don't have the testing, if we don't know which one of our colleagues are, you know, is, positively, is, is positive or not how do we even start to think about getting back into work in our, our regular lives? Oh my gosh, yes, that is um, scary. I also find, follow China since they were the first um, pandemic to happen. And looking at China, oh my goodness, like the ones who tested negative after they already had it and was positive and went through their course, it said some of them are retesting positive again. That I heard that, I heard that. And I was telling someone, I'm like, listen, even if you've gotten it, we don't know how long that quote unquote immunity lasts. We don't know if, yes. if you're exposed to it again, do you get it the second time even worse? You know, it's, it's, it's scary. Very scary, especially with the new um, drug that they're trying out, experimental drugs with the, it's, it's like a um, drug they use for lupus. And it's also, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's also an antibiotic. So if you are using that and you are recovered from COVID-19, but if you get exposed a second time, because what the side of, one of the side effects is that it damaged your heart muscle. So your heart is weaker. So most people who get it the second time dies of cardiac arrest. So it's pretty scary. So um, I keep following because I mean, like, I guess I have so much time on my hand <laughs> and I want to help. I want to be a scientist. Like I want to dig in and be hands on, but I can't because I, of course, I don't have that background, but it's very interesting of how this, um, this virus evolved and how so many changes throughout the weeks, throughout the days is happening with this virus. And um, I'm really like looking at China, like our 30 days, I'm looking like we probably be in the house until fall if we really want to make sure that this is all cleared. And we need to change some of the ways we're doing, like going to the supermarket. Yes, you need food, you need to go, but we need to start thinking a little bit wisely, like start getting preserved food. So we don't have to go as often or, you know, some of the, like I was just at BJ's, the stocks are not even there. So you're not even going to get everything you want and start shopping for, for 
a month or two. So we don't have to be at the market exposed so much unless they change something and do delivery and have online deliveries and where, you know, very protective um, delivery people are coming out to your doorstep. That's the only way we can really minimize and try to flatten that curve of exposure. Right, right. Um, so the coronavirus has definitely made us all look at our health, how we're handling our health, health insurance, how seriously we're taking it. I told you, you know that I played around with my health insurance coverage just because I just wasn't taking it seriously like a lot of people. Um, how important, can you just speak to the fact of like how important it is that every single person do everything that they can to be getting, trying to get coverage right now? Yes, I think it's very important. And um, especially since um, it's ever-changing um, crisis we're having right now with COVID, um, it took weeks before the Congress was able to get the testing done that was, you know, already paid for when you had to pay for it out of pocket before. Also, the coverage of the insurance, I've seen bills, people getting medical bills, 34000 like that's crazy. Mm -hmm. So I think it's highly important that you always stay insured and protected and always be um you know, deal with your health and wellness in general and always be proactive. Um, that's one of the things that's most important because just like now with this pandemic, you never know what can or will happen. And um, one of the things that I seen focus on, you know, even our politics and everything, universal health care. And I think that is kind of crucial because even with some of the top paying insurance companies, the insurance companies still can dictate what can they treat and not treat and what testing you should go for and not go for. And I think that's one of the things people don't see outside of what they already hear. Yeah, because what it really means is you're going to be shut out of certain things and you're just not going to get sometimes even what would be considered appropriate. Yes. Okay. So yes. And I'm not a professional or anything, but like just looking at things and seeing and being exposed to things and being in that industry, because I used to do billing for um, patients and a lot of stuff, you know, is denied and a lot of stuff should be preventive medicine, but insurance companies don't see it like that. And to be honest, the insurance company is dictating your health care on they have more say over than what your doctor do. And at the end of the day, they are a business. This is not a nonprofit. These people are not in this business to make everybody's life nice and sweet and healthy. They are, they are in the business to make money. And if, they, if it ends up being a life that's sacrificed for a percentage point of profit, understand that these companies will take the percentage point of profit. Speak about it. <laughs> um, what about PPE? Everybody's talking about PPE. Um, what are you hearing from essential workers uh, in the organizations that you're tied to? Does it seem like we're starting to get the supplies that we need? Is there, has there been an influx or are we still struggling on a day to day? Well, there's actually um, a lot of things about the PPE. First of all, the PPE is um, very specific N95 masks. In the healthcare profession, um, there was a shortage. There's still a shortage. We're getting all kind of flat, but um, getting that information, we have not prepared for this, which is sadly because um, a lot of our hospitals and stuff is over private industry. They stopped stocking up on a lot of this stuff because, you know, everything is about- Percentage point. 
how much money we can make and save. So that was like one of the crucial things in the beginning. Not only did um, our um, hospitals haven't been prepared, neither has our government been prepared, even after our last episode of pandemic. So no one prepared for this and getting it out there, it's, um, it's really, really scary because it's happened so rapidly where these patients should be in a low pressure isolation room, but we have like maybe one or two rooms on each critical care floor, maybe not on all the medical floors, but you have these patients who are coming in so rapidly that they're all over the place. The nurses who take care of the patients should be the only one going in the room, where's the N95 mask. But at the same token, everybody that's working in that hospital from dietary, um, environmental, um, housekeeping, unit secretaries, nursing assistants, still have to transport that patient from the ER to the floor. And then you open up all the floors, medical floors, critical floors and units, um, they're not properly um, provided that PPE. And I think that that is crucial. If there's an unknown virus where you don't have the statistical data that says when you have to change from six feet to 13 feet, from an hour cleaning the room to um, two to three hours, you need that information. And I think it's imperative that everybody is covered up in safety because everybody's putting their risk their health at risk going into work, and then their health at risk of going leaving work and entering their homes to their family. Right, right. So the PPEs is a very, um, it's a max. They have different varies of math. The stronger the math, that's kind of the highest one for not to, because um, they say the patient may or may not have a mask on, so they have respiratory, some of them have respiratory issues, so they might not have a mask on. They might have oxygen and stuff. They're saying the most, the more the patient is exposed, the more mask, thicker mask you're supposed to have one. But I think everyone should have on that mask because emergencies, a patient declining, like their condition can change, you never know. And it's literally that nurse in that room by themselves. Um, so every exposure is all over. And I think it's very important that anybody, even not even in the health field, but like look at the firefighters are getting exposed. Police officers are getting exposed. They got parking ticket authorities working. Why are they working? I have no idea, but they can crazy. get exposed. That is crazy. crazy. Um, if your our city hall is open, you can still go up there and make a tax payment. Uh, wrong, should not be open. We should have delayed you know, payments. There should be an online or just mail it in. So there's so many things and you can still see where people can be exposed, but nobody's really thinking about. It. Even standing in a line at the grocery store, you can be far away. If they went from six feet to 13, hello, <laughs> that thing is uh, maneuvering, just stagnated in the air. So I think that that's even not even a good look. If it's three people in line, I'm not gonna stand in the line I mean, one person or however many let inside, I'm not going to stand out in line and expose myself. I'm going to give me a ticket. Let me sit in my car or whatever. But people shouldn't be lined up. So there's so many things to think about. I wish people just treat this as like, e I don't know. Yes, Ebola or worse. So like, just treat it like anything can happen. It's viral, it's droplets, airborne, it sticks on your shoes, like all this stuff they're talking about. It's like basically when you come home from being outside and being around other folks, you need to basically strip before you get into the house. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. I got my outside clothes and I have my inside clothes and yes. I have like a box by the door. The, the, the shoes go right in. I wipe them down with bleach. Like it's just not worth the, uh, the other side of it. It's just, I, and I don't understand why more people aren't falling in line, but unfortunately some people just do have to learn through tragedy, unfortunately. Um, but I want to talk about 
unionizing because I think it's so important. Our culture, our American society has gotten out of protecting the worker and really honoring and glorifying companies. Um, Mm -hmm. But I see that we're slowly starting to get back to where it is employee centric or at least hopefully, and I know that you definitely have been on the pulse of that. Can you speak Mm -hmm. to the work that you're doing with the healthcare workers? Um, the work that I'm doing with healthcare workers is um, basically, as a union, representing them and protect, helping them protect themselves. Because um, normally, they are the voice of their union. And there's people that's working in the field that's being exposed, that are scared, um, especially um, nurses. They are licensed professions. They know about some of these viruses and the precautions. Everybody's not trained in infectious diseases. So this virus would be an infectious diseases. So... I'm working on a floor that we're not exposed to that, or I'm a brand new nurse. I might not know like some of the things. So as far as um, the hospitals and their administration, getting information out there, helping them help protect themselves is kind of hard, especially when everybody's just going off the handle and they changing policies quite frequently. As a union member, you have a voice. You can be like, wait, I'm the one that's exposed. I'm one of the ones who shouldn't be taking care of this patient. I don't have information, not denying your job or denying care, but being informed and be able to reach out. Let me call my representative and let me see if there's something that we can do without you being losing your jobs. It's so sad for me to see anybody who's risking their life every day dealing with this pandemic where they get fired because they want to make sure that they're safe. People need to realize, especially these hospital professionals, that these are human beings who have to go home to their families. So if they get infected, they have to they go home and they have to be away from their families. One of the things I like that Philadelphia did is they provided a hotel <laughs> right. for nurses to stay there. I mean, excellent idea. But I know everybody is going through things, but to have a protection, I feel sorry for people who are not unionized, who doesn't have protection, who can't have that voice, can't document this information when the information you document stays within the hospital. As a union member, I can say, this is wrong, this happened, this, whatever that, and I can document it, yes, with the hospital, but also with my union. So when they tried to come and retaliate on me to force me to do something because they don't have the numbers, um, this is where it's come important because people should know most hospitals are already working understaffed now. And right now, just to make sure that their quota, when their um, beds are filled and to get there, they are pushing people to the limit. People are being exposed and they're like, okay, if you don't have a fever, what, after four or five days, you still have to come back to work because you're showing those symptoms. When they clearly mention that some people can be asymptomatic and you don't know your symptoms to five days and being forced back to work. These are key things important things of having protection and having someone speak up for you where you're not all alone and it's just you against the HR. <laughs> right. Where you actually have a representative that after this pandemic is over, whether you made the wrong move or right move, you're going to hash this out and sit down and have that voice and have that power that's working with you. And you can have, as a union, that's members and powers where you can speak up. We need PPEs. We need them for all the people in here, not just- Hazard some- pay hazard pay that's something you can fight with having a voice um very key and having people take their time off and saying i've been exposed without you know saying oh you got to provide document what i tell you about the test maybe up to seven days i called out you're not going to pay me until i produce the document because the state told them that they have to pay for covid sickness 
So these are key things people don't understand. Yes, <laughs> people don't understand. And hospitals, I hate to say it, the administration takes, they take every available advantage of this because at the end of the day, you're just a number. They don't see you as a human or a person and they're not, the safety and concern is not their highest priority. It's about making money. How hard is it to get something like that in place? Say I work at Amazon. We've seen, we saw Amazon strike uh, about a week and a half ago. Yes. I work for yes. Amazon. This is not fair. I'm not getting hash to pay. They're not providing me with decent health benefits. I feel right. like I have no choice, no options. I don't want to lose my job. There's a better way that we could be doing this. How hard right. is it though to get these things, you know, in existence? It's very hard, especially if you're not um, if you're not unionized, because just by speaking out, they want to retaliate on you. As being a union, it's it's powerful. Like you said, you've seen Amazon stand up and fight and it's powerful. They can put a monkey wrench right in their business. And the only thing that gets them to listen is them losing money. That's right. number one. Um, so that was a very powerful mood. And it's very, the strike to say the least is one way to affect them and cripple them to get them to say, okay, let's see what they're talking about. Or let's see what they did. And then you see this article, oh, they're going to get hazardous pay. They're going to get this. I mean, it's very strategic, it's very um, structured, but um, this is why unions, and more time than any time now, unions need to be using the levy. The members need to be using the levy. They need to stick together. They need to be in solidarity and they need to show unity. If somebody works at a job right now where there's a bunch of employees and really, really terrible conditions happening, what's step one to them starting to approach coworkers? I know that I'm sure it's very scary, but what's like right. that first step to getting the ball rolling to starting some type of union? My first step, well, basically, I'm working with my coworkers. Um, you have management telling me something that I know is not right or shouldn't be right or that's going to affect my safety. That will be my first conversation. Look, this is going to affect our face. We have to go home to our families. How can we, what can we do about this? What should we do about this? And that should be the first conversation. Okay. Okay. And I, I do really think that we are going to start to see a resurgence. Unfortunately, in this country, you've seen that we have turned our schools into businesses. We have yes. turned our hospitals into businesses. Everything yes. has turned to us glorifying the dollar and giving two craps about the average person when Absolutely. you're the average person in most cases. Yes. Well, it all started when they had that that legislation to take public entity and make them into private, and that's what started the ball rolling. Because now we are our public entities can be turned into private, and the private entity is only interested in generating funds. And to me, why are we paying taxes to a government who is no longer? providing these institutions to us it's like you're you're still charging me the same rate for this product but i'm getting exactly that. exactly and that's kind of the uh, thing it's kind of like called pass the pass the torch pass the ball we don't want to be responsible anymore we can blame somebody else but uh we'll you know hands off but still pay me <laughs> and the thuggish ruggish bone about it is like these businesses they're not going to fail like they're not no. going to fail by providing people with health and in any way, even if they do, it's an open marketplace. Another business will come along and take over that need because they got the model a little bit better. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it, it's, 
it blows my mind how, you know, how people are not really considering what is in their best interest. Exactly. And if people really research how much revenue they made on a year, even though it takes them like two or three years for them to post it online, but um, where it become public access. But once you see how much they break it and you're like, oh, the business is going to fail because, oh, they did, they provided all Medicare. Now, especially the big corporations, the small business may struggle, especially if you're just starting out, but the big corporations, not at all. They need to really look at the, what revenue they're generating and how. So um, one last question, uh, the virus, they're, they're saying that we're starting to hit like a, a flat curve and I just kind of, or a flattening of the curve. And I just kind of wanted to get your opinion. When, do you think that it is going to slow down and we'll see a lot less cases or do you think that there will still be surges in different cities i.e. cities like Camden, who it hasn't really hit yet, but we already know has a very weak infrastructure. And if for some reason it does, it's going to be very bad. Actually, yes, actually, um, just posted yesterday that Camden is getting hit um, okay. pretty bad. Our numbers are going surpassing Cherry Hill, um, mainly because of the lack of information and representative of, of our um, political arena or war leaders or whatever, city council, everybody should be getting it out. Um, Camden is unique because we're not so much um, heavily on the internet um, with our seniors and stuff. Yes, they had the cops put flyers on the car cars. Everybody doesn't drive in Camden. Um, but just a present, you know, like, come on, robocall, information in our mail. Like this should have been happening like two to three weeks ago, like seriously. Um, how important it is and the removal, like I've seen them remove some of the basketball courts and stuff, that's good, but a little too late. And how important, like it's sometimes when people don't understand they're supporting because it kind of hit Camden late. We got our testing site late, <laughs> probably our supplies late, but just by them knowing the information and how um, detrimental this virus is, they could have afforded us that information to stay at home and what it means to be quarantined. Everybody, let's not assume everybody knows and everybody has internet or we can go on Facebook and follow the mayor and with his instructions is, there needs to be a clear, precise information to get out there. Should have been mailed to the homes. We have all those seniors, senior homes in here, things that were put out. I would say congrats and I, I really respect PBIC and Parkside who's been getting that information out to their to their um neighborhood rather it was you know the updates or whatever and they literally went door to door block by block and that's something that should have been happening in the city of camden because i don't know if you've been following it even our students are lacking with the supplies of computers and stuff and trying to get all that information on the phone while you're homeschooling it's too much they should have afforded camden more information i try to get out as much as i can i try to make it short and precise but the reality is we should have representatives that's you know, informed us as soon as that order went out and like early as March 9th and the 16th. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even that long ago that I was uh, following that story with you guys when they were trying to shut down Camden High. And I was interviewing students at that point. What was that, two years ago? Oh, three? yes, that was yep, two, wait, two, two to three years ago. Yeah, three. That was three years ago. And even then they were talking about the lack of textbooks and just not having the resources that they need. So now you're adding this to it. And it's just like, how, uh, just out of curiosity, how are they handling the, um, the, like the schools? Is everybody getting laptops in Camden? Um, 
I thought, and then this is the thing going on reading the news, I thought everyone had it. Um, there was just a post tagged on me yesterday because um, I was trying to be one of the proactive, one of, that was one of my biggest concerns. And I seen that we had all these laptops. But um, yes, I don't think they considered that um, every household did not really reach them. And I'm still following the stories on some of the things. And I seen where one of the students who there was like, he has six siblings and trying to get their homework as a high school and falling behind on their skills. So there's there's a better way that we need to do outreach and take account of our things. And I think it's, con it's very concerning in Camden because we have so many different schools, different types of schools and different information where we can't connect everyone in that one home. So um, right now um, we're trying to follow to see who, who received and who didn't. And I'm looking, I'm watching their essays as they go up to see if there's some way that I can kind of intervene and help because that's very important. If you got three children in your home and you got a high school, a junior high and an elementary child, that's three different courses, which right. they're going to need three different laptops to either do their work. And I don't think no one considered that. Wow. There's so much going on. I, Thank you so, so much for doing this interview. You know I'm going to be checking in with you. This ain't the last time. Yeah. This is yeah. not the last time because you are always on the pulse of exactly what's happening. And honestly, just your, your nature about you, you're always dropping gems. And I always walk away from our conversations knowing something that I didn't know before or being able to consider an idea that I, haven't, I hadn't even thought of. So thank you so much for supporting me and doing the thank show you. and getting and the word out to And I wish you people. the best of luck and, you know, maybe next time we can have a little bit more fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right now we got to get this information to the people. Absolutely. And that is our show today, guys. Thank you so much for supporting all of the likes and subscribes, the shares, the comments that you're leaving, the direct messages that I'm getting. I just truly appreciate the love. I had no idea what to expect in doing this. And it's really cool to see the response, to see people actually connecting to certain things. I'm getting fantastic ideas from you guys. So thank you so much. Make sure you continue to like, uh, subscribe, and share. And I will check you guys next week. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to Spicy Pecan Podcast. This is a wonderful new media production.